Evening. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Why are you literally looking like that? Evening. Well, go on. How are you, my darling? I'm good, you know. Mm, that's good. Like, sometimes you just got to make your own happiness, babes. Mm. Like, I've had the longest, stupidest week. Yeah, I broke up same. my charger. I broke my laptop. I got my laptop delivered to me. There's no charger. <laughs> it's a rational laugh. Like, I have to work half the week on my phone. No, all the week on my phone. I only got my laptop last night at 7pm. And it was getting to the point where it's just like, I'm on the edge. And I'm actually on the edge. So I have to make my own, <laughs> have to make my own happiness, bruv. And then I was late today, and um, she was late. Guys. And then I felt like Cindy's um, dagger eyes were coming through the phone. And I was just thinking, I can't. She knows. It, um, she knows. So I was, like, I was so happy that I made it within ten minutes. That's not too bad. I'm so sorry. It's fine. It's fine. it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I need honestly. to stop being late. Also, where did you go? I saw the, the um, your glasses. I was supposed to ask you earlier. Oh, um, we went to Las Iguanas. Me and my Ooh. other best friend went to Las Iguanas. Oh, did you guys have fun? We did have fun, but um. Just so terrible. Oh my god, the food is so, sorry, that's iguanas, yeah, but the food is bad. <laughs> it's I'm not bad yeah, in the good way. For the drinks. Like, the food is just please, guys, please, I beg, just do better, man. Like you know, I tried to be cute, yeah. I was like, oh, you know, let me just do the, you know, the 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 drinks. Mm. And we'll just get some little wings on the side or some shit like that. No, they we, didn't. Like, I had I had the burritos and then maybe like a side of the wings and I just regretted it. Like no, <laughs> you got a burrito <laughs> from there. Yeah, I got a burrito from there. Hmm, you know how I feel about burritos. I know you do, but burritos, like, they hit, they do. When it's done by actual Latino like people, hmm. it, it smacks. And when it's done by me too, so you know. Hmm. Well, I never know how yours tastes because I refuse to ever step step foot in one. <laughs> oh, yawn, man. Yawn. Don't even do that, man. Haven't you had bad trips on on weed and you still smoke weed? Okay, then. So you can yeah, but no, but no. I'm sorry. When your when your stomach is messed up, it's a different type of. Pain. Cindy, when I had that stomach flu a couple of weeks ago, I'm not even joking. Like, I actually, <laughs> I actually was literally like, I was like, God, why? Like, <laughs> why? Sorry. I was being sick, yeah. Sorry, trigger warning. If you don't like the the, <laughs> the thought of like food poisoning and all of that, yeah. But I was being sick in the bathroom, yeah, and I was literally just like, <laughs> like my body was just like, have you, <laughs> have you ever like got so hot that your your, your body feels prickly? Like I had to take off like my dressing gown, everything. I was literally in my like my nighty, and like I have a like I have a tiled floor in my bathroom, and I was literally rolling on the floor because I just wanted to cool myself down. Like nah, man, nah. After the burrito did that to me, I don't nah. Food poisoning is the worst. It is the worst. It's the worst illness you can get, car. <laughs> you literally can't stop it. You know, like even if you have like a cold or like something else that's like you know the common cold or maybe even the flu, you can maybe take like a ibuprofen. Or uh, paracetamol to kind of bring, you know, bring it down at least a little bit. Mm. But when, but when it's your stomach doing a madness, it's just like I, it doesn't care for you. It doesn't care for your feelings. It's just doing its thing, and you just have to ride it out. Like at one point, I was just in so bed funny. and I was just being sick in bed. Like that's just ridiculous. I, I, I don't mean to laugh, but it's just like so with Monet guys. If it's not one thing, it's the other. Yeah, do, do, so, do you see it? So, I'm so fed up. So I've got my own happiness, guys. When she messaged me, yeah, ah, oh, Cindy, I got the stomach flu. <laughs> I'll stick it off for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> and earlier I messaged you and I was like, Sin, please bring your charger car. My charger I broke. It. I bought mm. it. It's fine, I bought it. Oh, did you? Yeah, I got you, I bought it. Oh, you see, you're an A1 person. And you bought um Captain Morgan even though you don't drink it. Yeah, I know, man. Um, how is it going for you over there? I I love the Sun Exotic 
tropical fruit. What a throwback. It's, it's giving, do you know what it's I mean? giving after school going to chicken spot. Do you get it? It's if a staple. If any of my East Londoners from Newham knows what chicken spot is, then you know what I'm talking about. What a throwback. Um, everything's okay on my end. Mm-hmm. I can't complain. It's been a really like long and annoying week, but um, I'm glad that tomorrow is Friday so we can get through it. Mm-hmm. Um, it does get really exhausting, guys. Like I say, here's, here's what I'm going to say, yeah. You know how we live in a world where you have to be almost optimistic all the time. Like you almost have to like grit your teeth and just get through it. And you you know, you have to build your strength up and be like, yes, I can get through this and look on the brighter side. Guys, I'm not going to lie this week. I had no time for that. I had no time to be on my girl boss shit. I had no time to Mm. be like, I need to chase the bag. I need to do, I literally just wanted to be left alone. Like, yeah, (laughs) it was such a long week. I feel you. You can't do it all the time though. You can't be the strong one all the time. Like sometimes you need time for yourself. You need to reset. You need to look after yourself. Like it just, it's just needed. Like you can't always be, you know, the strong black woman as they like to call us exactly exactly and like to me it's with me if i i fall apart i pick myself up i only have myself so to me it's just really like when i just have my off days like i'm the one that's like i'm the one that's looking after myself when i'm having my off days and i'm building myself back up when i have my my on days Mm. so to me it was just like like every day this week was just like i I can't deal with this I, i just i can't I can't. Like, everyone, please leave me alone. Like, I, I just, I can't be the ray of sunshine. I can't be Mrs. Optimistic. Do you know what I mean? I got a, so, pocket, got a pocket full of sunshine. Yeah, I didn't have the pocket full of sunshine. Aww. Like, I was just like, let's just, get, let's just get through this week. But, um... And you made it. Yeah. We're nearly at Friday. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> God. <laughs> just to have 48 hours off and then we're back at it <laughs> the week after. But we move. Oh, my God. You know, talking of, um of 48 hours yeah mm. did you see that they've, they're trialing the um four-day work week yes and i don't want anyone to fuck that up trust me i know people have said it but literally if you're a part of that experiment like this is bigger than you yeah no it, it, is. Shit. it is everyone be on your best behavior <laughs> like you were supposed to be when ofsted came through like everyone just oh my god remember ofsted yeah and i was really bad badly behaved so i always used to get like the head of year and people giving me a talking to like better not was I badly behaved or was I just a liability in, in I just in feel like school? that's that's so fugazi though, because it's just like why have you gotta be well behaved because Ofsted is here? Like it's not gonna change the performance of the oh, rest of the year. No, absolutely not. I went to a school in Newham. It wasn't gonna change anything. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't gonna change anything. You know what it wouldn't change if we had, you know, um, I don't know, better food, better um support with education. You know, maybe we to do like mental assessments for whoever may have other mental health issues. Mm, you know, definitely, for people that come from troubled families. I think they definitely need to invest things, more in, in terms of um, mental health, especially at school, especially nowadays, bruv. It was hard enough at school as it as it was. I can't even imagine going to school now with Snapchat and Instagram and Twitter and all these things as well. Like, mm. I think, yeah, I just hope that you know the the, the teachers and whoever's in charge are just keeping a better eye out as they like over us i hope that we were the sacrifice where they kind of neglected us mm. and do what's best for the kids now because one i saw a statistic the other day which is really upsetting it really upset me i don't remember the stats but a lot of black kids um have undiagnosed adhd mm. they had it back in the day and you know obviously they're going as adults now and getting assessed just mm-hmm. for, and it's really hard sometimes to, to see what that is because you know <clears throat> medical racism but some people are getting diagnosed with adhd mm. and i think it's 
they're piecing together that oh my gosh maybe when i was in that science class and i was doing too much yeah this was that kicking in mm-hmm. do you know what i mean yeah and it's with, nuts with a lot of um teachers you know the moment you talk back or the moment you're sent out you've got a couple of detentions you know there's already like a, a like a mark on your back like we've got to get rid of her or we've got to move her here we've got to isolate her instead of going what is the actual issue yeah so it's so so yeah. true i really hope that 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 kind of reform is a lot different nowadays because it's just so easy to band kids together yeah and you guys can't tie them all with the same brush no you, you can't you absolutely can't you can't but let's hope that they um they do better and you know look out for the kids because you know it, it's not it's not hard being a teenager mm. i believe that like when you're a teenager there's just so many things that are going going on with you like your sexuality your body changing um whether you fit in whether yeah no it's hard being a teenager it's so hard and i think that it's always brushed under the carpet with whether it's people in authority or family they just think oh well that you know they're just acting out or whatever but what it is is if you put your head into a teenager's mind they can't even express to you what they're going through because they don't understand themselves. themselves yeah and sometimes there's just no patience or you know, no, no one talking to them, and I just hope that it, it just changes. I hope that black parenting style changes. I hope that, te- like, you know, the teachers they've changed. I hope that the environment is nicer, and that's all I can really say. Gosh, I do hope the parenting style changes because, oh, bruh, I've said this before, but are you gonna hit your kids? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right get into it so it's not it's not gonna be um my first form of punishment do you know what i mean i think it's gonna be hella threats like i'm gonna do this i'm gonna but i'm not gonna like like traumatize them like yeah. let's say i'm gonna get the belt and pretend like pretend to hit what's around them I'm oh gonna do that. all the implements <laughs> no i'm just not gonna like i'm it's gonna be the the final 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 resort because if you look back at when you used to get beaten it's really your parent being frustrated like Mm, that's true you know like, like I've, I've used this example to you before um you and your cousin are running around and you smash a plate your parent is hitting you out of frustration because if i come to your yard and you know maybe i get a bit tipsy and i smash that plate you're not hitting me you know you you're know what it's me. actually big facts like you have the patience for me you'll be like you know what cindy you, you, you'll get annoyed and you'll snarl at me and you'll be like oh you know what cindy you know you're gonna have to pay me back whatever but why is it that you have the patience for me but not for a child is it because i'm gonna hit you back and that's the thing. And that's why a lot of, like, parents are their kids' first bullies. Why are you inciting that much fear? It's an accident that we're running around, like. But what about you? I know you're not going to hit them. How do you know that? I know you're not going to hit your child, man. <laughs> why are you laughing, crabs? <laughs> <laughs> what makes you think I'm not going to hit my kids? You don't, you don't give me that energy, man. Uh, you know me very well. You should probably get a cat to hit the child. <gasps> oh, my God. So I haven't been to my house. <laughs> I've been at my boyfriend's house and I just really, really, really miss my cat. I've actually been thinking about him. I'm like, I, I need to go home to make sure he's okay because he's only a little kitten. Everybody in the, in here is looking at me like I'm mad. You know what? Yeah, I, I, I love animals, you know? I don't really care. I love animals, but you know, I'm a dog lover. I love me a rabbit. I love some parrots. Like, but cat is just... Yeah, don't look at me like that when she's over there wanting to be fucking Dr. Doolittle. Like, please. She she wants to have one of those houses where she's just got, like, hella animals and different types of animals I up in I there. Do. I think I just want I a cat and a little pom. Well. That's it. See, look, she wants lizards now. Oh, you know what's on. Right. I don't know what's on. 
just like them. Like I, I like animals. I do like animals. But my only issue is I think I'll just have them run right and that's the problem. You know, you're gonna have visitors around your house and you're gonna be trying to sit on the toilet seat and there's a baby alligator trying to bite you and Is that where you're uh, going with that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking it there. <laughs> you know I've tried alligator before. What does it taste like? It actually tastes like chicken. I'm calling Peter, man. I went to um oh you're gonna you're gonna actually just finish me for my um pronunciation, but Dans Le Noir. Right. Say it, go on. Just do it, go Dans on. Dans Le Noir. Okay. She had to do the in it. <laughs> um and you eat in the dark in it. And you just and then you, you don't know what you're gonna eat, but mm-hmm. and then you find out after what you've eaten. I can't do that. It's, but it's obviously not going to be mad. Like, it's not going to be spiders or anything. And you can choose whether it's a, a vegetarian menu or, like, a, um, like, veggie and They had you up and they're eating dolphin balls. And they tried to make it sound like it was cool. No. Thank you. Do dolphins have balls? But they produce sperm, right? You say that they make you eat in the dark and you don't know where you eat. Yeah. yeah. So this is fair factor. Kind of. <laughs> no, 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 no. So basically... Uh, well, I feel like it's a really great cause as well because all the waiters are blind, so it's literally pitch black. So you as the you as the customer, like, won't be able to see anything, and you have to kind of feel around where your knives and forks are and stuff. But obviously, like the waiters, like they just that's normal days for them because they can't see. Um, so it employs like um, visually impaired people. That's good though. I really love that. that. Is good. And then you eat. The food was banging, and. Um, let me see if dolphins yeah, I got. I, I had an alligator pot pie. Everything was bad. Everything was bad. And I think I had venison as well, which I don't think I would have been able to eat on a normal day because I just. Look at the little deer. Don't you just love them? Wait, okay. is venison deer? It is, isn't it? No, is it? Now you're eating deers. Oh, you lot, man. Bro, could go to hell with that. <laughs> um, dolphins do have balls. Is it? it? Let me see. It's packed inside their bodies. And I'm not, I don't have a picture and I don't want to see a picture. Oh, well, now we're going to have to get into it. No, we're not. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? Oh, no, I've, I typed dolphin balls and it's just bare dolphins with the actual balls on their, <laughs> on their little mouths. <laughs> What's this, this part called of a, a dolphin? It's not a beak, is it? You would never think I'm an educated person, you know? Like, <laughs> it's not that. It's just... <laughs> You do what we do like at three in the morning where you're just on Google and you just, you know, type whatever comes to your head. No, hold on. Not dolphin balls because it's just going to do the balls that they play with. I just want dolphin testicles. Let's have a look. It's inside their bodies, apparently. Oh! But, um... (laughs) Babs, don't pretend that you're just walking past. I know you wanted to see. See what? The dolphin testicles. Yeah, <laughs> and he's doing. You actually search that. I know he saw, but <laughs> no, no, no. am I gonna be traumatized? Let me see. No, it just looks like a long, a long. Su- oh, it's okay. No, they're they're collecting semen from the balls. Listen, I don't know. This has Why gone are off we topic. About this, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But anyways, that's my experience. No, I don't drink Monster. No. Why? Are you going to tell us that running rumour about the semen? Yeah, that, that is actually true. What is true? Um, that, do you know like the balls, like the testicles and stuff like that? Yeah. They have like some, they have some juice in it, so they use it in part of the ingredients. From whose balls though? Like the balls. From what? Animals. Ugh. 
I think we just need to be vegan, you know. So like, it's not, Bro! It's, like, it's no different than milk, in, in a sense. That's true. But we just need to stop, guys. That's I mean, enough. I mean, guys... Uh, like Cindy anyways I'm going to say it, and we've probably said it on this podcast before but <sighs> I want to go vegan and Cindy just never supports me in it we tried you know what we tried for, I said Cindy do it with me she's like alright cool she didn't even last the afternoon no I was vegan for an hour guys and that's, that's a lot for me I'm sorry guys no pun intended but I love meat and you love balls yeah I do do what you want with that information <laughs> <man>. <laughs> Oh, okay, well, okay. welcome to True Crime MC. <laughs> We're going to have to cut out a lot of that shit. Cause I'm just... keeping all of it in. Oh, my days. Um, Lauren Smithfields. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. That caught me off guard. Yeah. It, it's um, it's just really tragic Um, how there's just a lot of loopholes in the story. She went on a Bumble date. You know, they went over to his house or her house. I don't remember correctly. Um, she was found dead. Um, he took about a couple of hours to report it, and he called his detective friend before reporting it to the police. Family wasn't made aware until the landlord had told the family. She had several drugs in her body while he was completely fine, and he's not seen as a suspect because he seems like a good guy. And what's really annoyed me is that they've portrayed it to be like, she's gone on a date with this old white sugar daddy. Like, oh, you know, she's gonna go and finesse him. But in all realness, she was in her early 20s and he was 37. Okay, that's not, that's not a silver fox. But listen, the thing is about it is, even if that was the case, so the fuck what? Thank you. So what? They're both consenting adults. They both met on, met on Bumble. I'm sure they had a conversation and they, they agreed to, you know, meet up. Mm-hmm. He's come to her house. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like there was obviously consent in that situation. Mm-hmm. So whether it was a sugar daddy situation or whether they wanted to date or whether they wanted to get to know each other, at the end of the day, it's two fucking grown-ass consenting adults. Exactly. And whatever was going on between them is their business. Mm-hmm. Up until the point that this poor, beautiful young woman gorgeous girl died gorgeous girl like I don't understand how this this woman was laying in her own blood and you've taken how long to report it and then and on top of that instead of you to call 911 because it's emergency you then called your brethren that you know is going to be like have your back and cover your tracks yeah please it's just it's so fucking disgusting and it just it just screams like oh it's just we've seen it we've seen it so many times, we see it all the time, and we always think, okay, next time will be better. Like last time we were on this podcast, we spoke about the Ahmad um, Arbery case mm-hmm. and the verdict and how that was, you know, so great and something that we didn't expect mm-hmm. was going to happen. But yet again, this is a young black woman who's died. Um, mm-hmm. We don't know. I'm going to say we're speculating, but at the end of the day, there was a white man that was involved in some sort of yeah. way. He was in the house. It was only them two. So he knows more than we do. And why are you not looking into the prime suspect? Because, what, he's a nice guy. He's a good guy, he just doesn't or, or, Well, it's because he seems like a nice guy. You don't, don't even know if he's a nice guy. You only have his word asshole. and his brethren's words, his detective friend's mm-hmm. words, to say, ah, oh, he seems like a nice guy. Mm-hmm. Ted Bundy seems like a nice guy. With his um, no lip having self. Does he have no lips? He had no lips. But um, just to piggyback on That was really facey to make Zac Efron play him then, you know. Does he have lips? Does he? We'll see. Okay. But to piggyback off what you were saying, um, another thing that is <laughs> really... <laughs> sorry, I'm so sorry. It's fine. He has no lips. I told you. Okay. Lipless man. 
Sorry, right, back into the seriousness. Um, but no, what really upsets me about this um, situation as well is that when are we going to realise that um, the world does not care for black sex workers? At all. Because if that's the first thing that the Daily Mail could do, which was insinuate that she was a sex worker where there's no proof and make it like assume that she was on this sugar daddy date, knowing how the public reacts to things like that, you don't give a fuck about... Um, black sex workers listen look even the way they, Brown. yeah look at the way they even portrayed her and they made him look like oh such a wholesome man he's yeah he's out on he's a out, he's, and yeah, she's in hiking on holiday in her bikini Do you understand what and I'm i've saying? seen so many well. pictures of this woman and you there was literally a plethora of pictures that you yeah. could have chosen or you know gone through to choose you know a decent picture of her not to mm-hmm. say that she's in a you know it's, it's a bikini of course it's decent she's on her beach she's having fun with her friends but in such a in such a case, mm-hmm. in such a situation, mm-hmm. you had multiple choice multiple choices, and you chose that 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 specific picture. Oh, we know what type of, like type of narrative you're trying to run with. Oh, 100. I told you, I didn't like. Ooh, they do not care about black <laughs> sex workers at all. That's such a fool. They do not care about black sex workers at all because um, he went around killing a lot of black sex workers and I think one or two reported it to the police and they weren't believed because they were you know, street workers. So who did that? I've I've completely forgotten who it was, but it was a notorious serial killer and he was in the army. Um, I'll circle back to that when I find out who it is. But he had been like terrorizing and harassing so many black sex workers and no one believed him. It's another one with that Tinder um, date guy, that guy that went around killing all these girls on Tinder. Um, Again, these were black women. One or two may have been sex workers. Don't quote me on it. And they just weren't taken seriously. Like, it took the family to have to crack down who was behind all of that. Um, but again, I'm not insinuating that Lauren was a sex worker. But again, this is, like, this is what I'm saying about you just not caring. They don't care. Yeah, actually, yeah, on that topic of, of sex workers, if you are a sugar baby, do you count as a sex worker? I think it's in the same umbrella. Okay. Interesting. I never really thought umbrella. about it. So... It varies, but you're obviously doing something in exchange for money. Mm. So, but they don't always sell sex though. Sometimes, no, like, like let's say for example, an escort who doesn't actually have sex, mm-hmm. but but that's still a sex, an the, escort is still a sex worker, even though even though they don't have sex. Sometimes, you know, sometimes just people just go on dates. I'm not... Well, I mean, I guess, yeah, maybe, maybe. I guess you're well, selling intimacy in that way. Right, then. Because even, you know, those women that, you know, those cool girls that you see, you know, their they're, they're numbers on the telephone box, like if, a, like, if a guy is calling them, like, calling in, and they're literally just... She may not be like, I'm touching myself or whatever. She can literally just be like, oh, so I'm, I'm in bed watching EastEnders, and the guy's getting, like... It, Talk, like just trying to have a decent conversation with her that will still be deemed a sex work a cool girl is still a sex worker it's an umbrella man so <clears throat> selling feet on only that's things. still a part of, a form of sex work because you're fulfilling someone else's some someone else's fetish oh there's a lot of f's in that i don't like that say it again fulfilling someone else's fetishes yeah. oh my well. god did, did i have well. a lisp if i do we're gonna have a problem sorry i can't believe the way i laughed at at this um little muffly thing coming off of the mic like i really splashed my whole drink all over Man, that's because seat. you're childish it's also because i'm a bit tipsy oh i wish i was as well bumble is the only app 
I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, where, or maybe I think it was the first app where it's designed so that females approach a man first. Oh, hell no. In what world? I would never do that. That's yeah, that's the, that's the purpose of Bumble. I'm sure it's Bumble, where the whole point is like, like, yeah, the girl approaches the guy first, or the girl, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know. But um, speaking of all of that world and mm. how people are a mess. Oh. <laughs> guys, I'm a little bit traumatised. What? So, there was this, like really have some guy <clears throat> that snapped me that I didn't mean snap whatever cool well I don't know about this story tell me more and um you know I was trying to be respectful you know he asked me how I was and stuff like that I was trying to be respectful because I wasn't interested anyway I only have tunnel vision for one guy but you know anyways so went back and forth and then um he was like I would be better if you were laying beside me stroking my beard I said, you fucking sexual deviant. Can you calm down? <laughs> oh, why? So I aired it. Stroking his beard isn't too bad. I don't know you. Oh. Like, like I don't know you. Like, that, like relax. Was it your first conversation? Exactly. Oh, like, okay, how right, you talking to me? You already got your cock in your hand. Like, relax, bro. Like, relax, please. That's not the worst part. This is why I'm traumatized. Okay. I'm on. traumatized because he messaged me again. And again, I, you know, I was trying to be nice. Hi, how are you? Mm. It was just that. That's mm. me being nice. That's not even me, like doing anything he was like oh you know what i like i would like to take you for some cocktails and then later um give you some cock <laughs> i knew it was coming i knew it I said, was, you know what i, I knew it was coming <clears throat> and i know what's sad about it is like, <clears throat> i know that he thought that that line banged why why are you as a black man using the word cock you're not <laughs> graduating to school without using my cock <laughs> Okay, the uncle uh, that is that in the Nollywood film. Get me funny. out. You know the word cock really just winds me up. It's just it, it's so cringe. It's so and I was like to him, I said, You're too fine to be a sexual deviant, and then I blocked him. Oh. But I hope he learns his lesson. No, he probably hasn't learned. Because there are there are really some men that literally roam through social media. If I show you my requests, like my my DMs, they're just so okay with just Ooh, does it really go down in there? Let me see. Oh, DMs with Cindy. I'll show you later. <laughs> I'll show you later. <laughs> but yeah, like, like, why are you okay at the ripe old age of 27, 28, 29 being a sexual deviant? You know, when we were younger, we thought it was the uncles that were on that, that stuff. How are you in your, your late 20s and you're harassing women with cocktails followed by some cock? Because people... <laughs> Even a man that's divorced don't talk like that. Freshly divorced like that. Some man do. Listen, and the other the, sometimes what I find is it's just, it's just man that haven't been checked before. It's, and that's why I talk, like, even if I, I checked him, I still don't think he's learned. Like, I still think he's going to go around and bother like, some other poor woman that thinks, oh, this is a handsome guy. You know, let me go for it. And he's going to say that. But then, you know what? Let me tell you guys something. It's going to be really controversial, but a lot of fine people are very corny. Just yeah, because down. sometimes pe- fine people, the thing is with them is that they don't have to have, they, or no, they think they don't have to have personality. They well, think they can just get, their looks can just get them anywhere. And that's why they just chat shit. I mean, I'm a shallow babe. Don't get me wrong. You have to be really attractive. Do you know what I mean? That you have to, not, okay, not, re- you have to be attractive. Okay. Like I have to be able to look at you and not think, let me put a bag over his head. You have to be attractive. Why would you want to be with somebody you want to put a bag over their head though, for real? Let me show you about the, let me show you the niggas I used to like in your turn. Oh gosh, God! Do not take me there. Okay. 
<laughs> Gosh, high school was just a really scary time for me. It was just a really scary time for Monet. But in, in closing, all of us should have personality. We should be, you should be able to give more than your flipping looks because babes, looks, you know, they fade. They do. And on top of that, like I'm the main character of, of my own show. And if I want you to be a part of that, we're going to be a duo and we're going to be a sitcom. Okay. Not a documentary. So you have to be funny. You have to be funny. I and love that. Are not funny. They're serious. Like this one. R.I.P. Lauren Smith. Fields. There you go. Oh, you know what? I was going to laugh at the way that you were talking, but... um, <laughs> No, on a, real, on a real serious, serious, serious note, I really, really, really do hope that they look into this case more. There's a lot more light being shed on it. Yeah. There's a lot more, well, hopefully more inf- information coming out about it. And I just hope that people continue to hand the police. Yeah. Continue to hand the authorities. Yeah. Um, and and hopefully find out what happened to this poor girl because yeah. so beautiful, so young, so, so much potential and just taken way too soon. And I really do hope there was no foul play on in, within it. But the thing is for me is just like, if you take that long to report an incident, then you report it to a person that you know. Mm. And you kind of go, you know, um, through the long route to go and, you know, report this situation to kind mm. of protect yourself. Then, I mean, if you're not guilty, why act like it? So let's really, really hope that um, there's nothing untoward has been done. And um, we find out the, the details of this, this young girl's life and um, sorry, the details of this young girl's death and yeah there's some justice that's being brought to her or at least some closure for the family so r.i.p beautiful uh yeah lauren smith fields amen so should we go into our stories let's get into it let's get into it let's get into it i want to take my jacket off but i didn't zip the back of my play suit because guys i live alone so do you want me to come over and help you no it's okay (laughs) thank you boy oh boy I'm so ratchet. I'm so ratchet, honestly. I like this outfit, though. Thanks, my darling. What snapback is this now? I don't know. It's just one that I got from, like, New Look, like, years ago. Like, a, do you know a running errand kind of cap? Mm. You know, we used to... We actually used to bang snapbacks, you know? We did, but, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I was never really... I used to bang Kevin's snapbacks. That's my brother, his snapbacks out, but... You know. I never owned my own. So, who's <laughs> going first today? Shit, he went first last time. It was me. Was it? Mm-hmm. Oh, shit, it's me. It's you. Well, you know what? I think it's best because the way I'm drinking this drink, by the time, you know, it gets around to my turn if I go second, it's gonna be a fucking mess. I'm yelling. So, today, obviously, last uh, episode, we tried out our new kind of format, which mm-hmm. was we spin the wheel and we find out what cases or what themes we're going to address next episode. So mm-hmm. I had murder, you had robbery. robbery. At the end of this episode, we'll find out what uh, themes we're going to go for next time. Mm-hmm. But of course, today I'm going to be doing a murder. And this is actually a murder that my mommy told me about. Shout out to my moms. Aww. I love you. Baby I love Angela. you, mom. I love you. Um, I know she's the, sweetest, she's the sweetest, she's the sweetest, cutest thing. I just and, want to take her everywhere. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> And she um she loves true crime. I think I get my love of true crime from her. Mm-hmm. Um, so she always watches some documentaries or something on you know like a TLC or 
some sort of accounts on Instagram and stuff. That. So she's always updating me. And she was watching um, a film on the Washington DC snipers the other day as well. Ah. Uh, I do love that film until I realized it was a true story and that really fucked me up. I'm so sorry to cut you up, yeah. But um, one guy went on Twitter once and mm. said that um, he got a flashback of why he resents his mum sometimes. And it was because basically when the DC, DC sniper was out and active, yeah. the snipers, yeah. like his mum made him get out the car and um, put the gas in the tank while the DC sniper was out. <laughs> oh no. It's not funny. It's oh not no. Funny. But then you know what? It's like either her or me. But you as the mum, shouldn't you do it? Thank you. Like, that's uh, I'm not going to lie. That, that, that case is really fucked and hopefully we'll cover it one day uh for those yeah. that haven't heard it yet but yeah insane case but we're not going to be covering that today we are going to be covering sorry one second cindy are you okay i'm fine i just shiver sometimes and you know how long i've known you and i still i still get shocked that you just sometimes just shiver and i think everyone does I, d- I don't know what it is i just shiver sometimes i'm not even cold but hey ho. maybe it's the holy ghost <sighs> I don't want it to be anything else. What, like shingles? I don't know what shingles is. I feel like it's it's chicken pox that you get as like an older person. Oh, boy. If you don't get chicken pox when you're little and get out your system and get your like immune system up, up, you can contract shingles when you're older. Imagine getting um, what's it called chicken pots at an adult age. That's my childish, man. That is very at childish. At your big age. Imagine being 45 and you got chicken pots. Do you know how painful that must be, though? That's so childish, though. Oh, chicken pox is the ghetto, you know? Oh, it was horrible. There was an outbreak in my, like, primary school when I was younger. And I remember them pulling me and Kevin out of school. And then we had to get our... Was it vaccine? Yeah. And um, I told you the story. Like... I was fine. I was calm. We were sitting in the doctors until I saw the like the, the needles. Come <laughs> oh, I just started like, shaking. Like, I, like I was moving like someone that was getting sectioned. Like my parents were like, can you, my, both of my parents were like, can you calm down? Like it's okay. And I was like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Bruv, the vaccine is is better than contracting freaking. That's true. Chicken pox, but you know, um, and I might have said it on here before as well, but. I always find it interesting that people have chicken pox parties. That is interesting, but it's smart. It is so it's smart. Very smart. I used to think it was weird, but now it makes total sense. Oh, you might as well have it all in one. Imagine like one child recovering and then two days later another one gets it, and then one week later three get it. Like you might as well all just have a coach together. Oh my god, what a throwback! I said coach. Wow. You might as well all get together. That's really a retired slang word, exactly. like um skin. Sometimes. Sometimes do you use um. Do you remember when we used to call coins nugs? No, I never used to call it that. I don't know if you're from a spaghetti western bitch. Excuse me? I don't know if you're a cowboy. Hey, yo, like... Krabs, when you, someone, when you were younger, yeah? Because, yeah, you're of our generation. When you were younger, yeah, at school, didn't people used to be like, oh, bust me a nug? And it was like one pound. Oh, uh, see? Maybe it's a North London thing. It must be a North London, because I ain't never heard that in my life. No, no you say nug is like a pound coin. So. Yeah, nug is like a pound coin. Yeah, like two nugs. You don't know about that you one. You guys are cowboys, man. It's giving the good, the bad, and the ugly up in there. <laughs> Cindy, fuck off. Right. <laughs> right, let's get into it. Get into it, y'all. We're at a doja. Right, so today we're going to be doing 
The Murder of Annie Dewani. Okay, I've never heard of this one. The Honeymoon Murders. Dear. Yeah. <sighs> so let's get into it. Let's go. So, they hint. Oh my gosh. Right, sorry. Let me just give me two seconds. We might need to get Monet to walk up in a straight line up in there. She's, <clears throat> she's lit, you know. That's hilarious. <laughs> I'm sorry. I really want Krispy Kremes after this. No, we're not getting, we're not getting no Krispy Kremes. Why? Because Monet, he's 20, bro. Like, a big age, you want to eat bonbons. Yes, I like them. I like sweets. Leave me alone. See, sometimes she just talks to me in French, but she thinks I'm not going to respond properly in English, but I do. Anyway. The Hindoka family was forced to leave Uganda in the ni- in the early 1970s after the country's president at the time, obviously, it was Idi Amin, mm-hmm. which for a long time, when I obviously watched um, The Last King of Scotland when I was a kid, so I used to think Idi Amin was actually Forrest Whitaker. It turns out, obviously, he's not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't realise that in the early 70s, he expelled all South Asians living there. And he gave them 90 days for them to get the fuck out. Which I think is mad. Because you imagine you live in somewhere and then the president's like, you oh, lot. Sorry, you gotta go. Yeah. You, 90, well, I don't know what accent that's supposed to be. I don't know. You know. <laughs> 90 days for you lot to get out of here. A whole country, you know. That's wow. mad. So that's really sad. But unfortunately, they did have to leave. They had 90 days to leave. Um, and so they fled the country and they went to Sweden. And they settled in a place called uh, Maristad. Um, and so they got their citizenship granted there. Uh, they settled as a family. And on the 12th of March, 1982, they had a lovely little daughter called Annie. Uh, and they also um, had her sister, um, Amy, and her brother, Amish. So, let's get into Annie. Amish? Anish. Okay. I think I wrote that wrong. Amish? That's right, because you know, Amish. Oh, I'm so sorry. I hope you get Amish. I'm just so interested. I'm so fascinated by Amish people. I'm so. It's so funny. I listened to a story on. Um, it's called. Oh God, what's the podcast called? Oh my God, Nighty Night. Okay. Um, and it's a really good podcast, and it takes um real stories, and changes them into like um like an anthology series. Okay. So she'll That's do like. Zone. Yeah. But then at the end of the story, she'll then say what case or something that it's inspired by. And I listened to one yesterday and it was inspired by Amish people and some of the rituals they used to do. So if you um, like a, like a little scary stories that's inspired by real life, check out uh, Nighty Night. It's a really, really good podcast. One of my faves, actually. Um, and the host is Wicked. So shout out oh, to Nighty cool. Night. So yeah, back at it. So... Um, Annie was super successful. She worked in the marketing uh, department in Stockholm for Ericsson. Um, you know about Ericsson, Sony Ericsson. Mm. God, good times. I thought you were talking about, you know the guy that, that used to Do Arsenal? manage No, is it Arsenal? Had, like, his hairline was, was brazy. No, that was... Arsenal was Arsenal Mango, innit? So yeah, Ericsson. I thought he used to manage him, innit? Manage the English team. I used to think, yeah, that Ar- Arsenal Wenger... Um... I used to think that he, um, Arsenal was named after him. Same, same. I was waiting for you to say it. Same. I used to think that too. I swear down. Yeah. I used to think that Arsenal was named after him. Yeah, I, swear I swear to God. Yeah. Because what is the, what is the, what is the chances? It's just coincidence, isn't it? Hey, yo, but anyways, what kind of name is Arsenal anyway? Um, German bitch. Oh yeah, so <laughs> I, I'm trying to suspect. You get me? 
moving on swiftly. Is he German? Quaz, is he German? Awesome Wenger. He is, isn't it? There you go, Slavic baby. I used to find him handsome. Oh, you lot are fucked. He's French, man. (laughs) Is he? Yeah. That makes his accent. His uh, Cindy. He's from Strasbourg. Right, so you see Strasbourg, yeah? All right, Cindy, man. Sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Right, so Strasbourg, yeah? I always get confused because I feel like it's France, but it's not France. It's not. It's like the outskirts, like it's kind of like Belgium. Does it sit on the on the edge of like a Germany? It's how a, does it's it? It's in a very weird area. Like how does it? Oh, okay, it's alongside Brussels, Luxembourg, and Frankfurt. Yeah. Okay, cool. It's the de facto four main capitals of the European Union. You know what? Geography was never my strong suit. Anyway. Exactly. I don't want to tell you guys what I was graded for geography. What were you graded for? I don't geography? want to talk about. That. Well, now you brought it up. Mm-mm. Was it a you? No, 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 no. <laughs> Anyways. I need to sneeze. <clears throat> anyway, so Ani was really uh, successful. She worked for the marketing department in Stockholm for Ericsson, um, the, the iconic mobile brand. If you were a 90s baby, I know you probably was banging a Sony Ericsson on the bus, the back of the bus. Walkman. Yeah, man. <laughs> if you know, you know. You're so silly. Good You're so silly, you know. Um... So, yeah, she often travelled to London for work. Um, She would network there. She would shop. You know, just, I mean, Ericsson is a a massive company. I'm sure you travel quite a lot for work. And so she would come to London a lot. And here she met uh, Shrian. Um, And he was a 30-year-old, very successful businessman. Mm. Uh, He was a millionaire um, because his family owned a nursing home business. Um, so he hailed from Bristol, um, and you know, he had such good things that were said about him. And so, um, her aunt hooked, hooked them up, hooked the pair up, uh, and they met in 2009. Um, so initially they got on very, very well with reports that, um, you know, Ani felt very, really, um, protected by Shrian. They bonded over similarities such as the fact that also his family actually had to leave Uganda for the same reason and then they settled in England versus Sweden um, and they ended up gl- growing um, super close over time. Um, and, you know, when people talk about Shirin's character, mm-hmm. tend to be, you know, really positive. He was a good man. Mm-hmm. Um, sh- he looked after uh, Ani. Um he was super polite he had a warm persona so you know nothing but good things to say about him um and so they began their relationship and of course at this point it was a long distance relationship obviously shrian was based in the uk where annie was based over in sweden right obviously not super super far but far enough you know you're in different countries within europe um and so they had to initially make a long distance relationship work mm-hmm. um of course it's not always easy they did have their difficulties they did you know have some arguments and did clash over some things especially because of the distance mm-hmm. um but they made it work so in 2010 Annie decided to give up her job uh for Ericsson uh in the marketing sector in Sweden and moved over to here with uh Shrian and they settled in a um, apartment within Luton, Luton, Bedfordshire. Mm-hmm. So just a little bit north of London. So soon after that, um, they became engaged in May of that year. Right. Um, and 
they went over to India and spent about three months um, organizing their wedding. And they had a three-day extravagant wedding in a place called Lake Powai. And it's just outside of Mumbai. And that was on the 29th of October. And if you if you know anything about Indian weddings, like they do not play. I was just about to comment. I bet it was so colourful. Oh, my gosh. And like the material that she wore. Oh, the my dancing, gosh. The food. Like it must have been All so top new. tier A1. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. My, my, I have a friend uh, I did. Um, sorry, I had a friend uh, that I met at my master's degree. Shout out, Jay. I'm going to make sure you listen to this episode. <laughs> Bless him. He's the sweetest. Uh, and he got married to his um, longtime girlfriend and now wife. Um, and they had their wedding um, over in India. But I couldn't make it at the time. But I was mm. so gutted because it was absolutely beautiful. And I've always mm. wanted to go to an Indian wedding because they just know they how to in. do it. Yeah, they go Like, in. they don't play. And gosh, everything's so extravagant, beautiful, colourful, so much love and culture and i mean amazing food can't go yeah, wrong with indian, yeah, food. Can't go with indian food so um yeah three-day extravagant uh, wedding and it was such a beautiful affair but some f- close friends at the time f- said that they felt kind of strange that they didn't really recognize their friend that their friend had been changing and mm-hmm. um she wasn't really herself at the wedding maybe some maybe she seemed a bit more distant and i don't and when i heard this i was like okay it could be the fact that, you know, she came from a fairly normal family. Yeah. She's marrying into a millionaire's family, basically. Yeah. That could that in itself could be quite daunting because even though, you know, Indians tend to have quite big weddings, mm-hmm. um, but if it's a millionaire's weddings, it sorry, if it's a millionaire's wedding, it's gonna be that much more, you know, extravagant. Um and her family is quite humble. Her dad her dad had been saving for that wedding. And the weddings of her brothers and sisters for, you know, all of his life as well. So he made sure he wanted to con- contribute. And, um, yeah, the family was really, really supportive. And, um, yeah, I'm not sure why they thought that she she seemed distant, but it could be for a number of reasons. But can I just say that um, everyone has something about them, mm. whether it's a spark or whether you're reserved, whether you're allowed or, and whatever. Yeah. And I believe that that's a lot of your personality is what draws people to you. Yeah. Whether it's family members, friends, colleagues lovers whatever so when someone notices a change like on you like there's something that they can see that you probably haven't seen but like you said marrying into a millionaire family that probably did dim her light like Mm. heavily Mm. like she might have just kind of been like well you know they might be thinking that this is a bit too like i'm doing too much with this right and you're you're constantly trying to not impress but you're trying to fit in of course you want your marriage to work you're in love with this person Mm. so naturally you you don't realize that you're compromising a lot or a little bit more than you should i.e your personality Mm -hmm. but the people from the outside looking in are just kind of like well what the fuck happened to arnie yeah you know that's the thing i mean reports would say that his family was super warm super welcoming Mm -hmm. but i think that the vast amount of is sorry the vast amount of money is hard to ignore i i would i would believe um you can't ignore ignore all of those zeros do you see (laughs) it (laughs) so um i ignore that yeah so the wedding's over and about three days after the wedding, the couple set out on their honeymoon. Um, and this was totally planned by Sri and himself. Uh, Arnie didn't know where she was going, how long they were going for and whatnot. And he totally just planned it and surprised her with it. Mm. Um, and he surprised her with a trip to South Africa. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Okay. And <laughs> I thought, what I thought was really cute about it is that he said that he planned it 
to, to go to South Africa because S is for Sheen and A is for Ani. That's so corny, but ah. Right? I don't know if... I, would I let my man plan my, my honeymoon? I think I'd hint a couple of things. Yeah. Like, who knows? Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I think after you get married anyways, you should trust your partner enough for him to be able to do that. I mean, yeah, but... but... I wouldn't be I wouldn't be upset if he didn't. But I wouldn't be against it if he did. Unless he unless he took me somewhere like fucking cold. I'd be like, Are you serious? I'm gonna be out here shaking my ass. No, in the I Maldives. Know, I don't know. I don't know. Where do you wanna go for your honeymoon? So I wanna be really cheap, guys. <laughs> oh my god, you never had this conversation. What is this? I wanna be really cheap and I I obviously wanna get married in Saint Lucia. Mm-hmm. I want to have my honeymoon in St. Lucia. Why not? Because <laughs> it's just cheap. But and why not, it, though? I think it helps him in the end. Do you know what I mean? It's just kind of like, okay, let's get our family to fuck off and let's just stay here. Yeah, why not? And then, you know, do whatever we need Listen, to Beck do. Listen, Beck will do that. You stay there. Oh, that's not, that's not cheap at all. I would want to do that. Like, because I was sitting and I was thinking, do I really want to do the Bora Bora or the Maldives? No, I don't want to do that. I want to stay in St. Lucia. St. Okay, well, now I feel basic. Paradise, sorry. Why yeah. would, would you want to? I really want to go to Bora Bora. Bora Bora is nice. Or like, is you know, nice. like French Polynesia. I don't want to yeah. do Maldives because I just feel like everybody's expecting Maldives. And maybe probably everybody's expecting Bora Bora too. But like French Polynesia, like mm. uh, Tahiti, that is a bit of me. I want to be on a fucking little stilt little still hot on top of the ocean that's what i want i want to wake up and see the ocean under me and around me the ocean is the, the best thing for me i mean that's all good and great but i don't want to be laying next to a shark you know i mean you want alligators all up in your house so you know take it or leave it babes anyway. that was an example but yeah like i don't want to wake up and you know i'm seeing like hella teeth looking at me and i have to do you like i don't know if you read somewhere that apparently if a shark comes like you have to punch them up so like, imagine if you wake up you still got your crust in your eyes and you have to be on attack mode because Okay, but Cindy, how is the shark going the to shark. get inside the hut? And then once they're inside the hut, how is it going to survive without water? It's just chilling. How is it going to move across the room? Think about it. Moving on swiftly. I don't know a shark's strength. Who do you think's winning, a shark or a bear on land? A bear, clearly. On land. But a shark's got, like... Imagine if it just comes out like, psh, and it literally just comes at the bear, and it's like okay, but it can only bite you for so long. After a while, it ain't gonna be able to breathe. I swear, it's not gonna be able to breathe after a while. If it's if the argument is who's which one's gonna win, a shark or a bear? It's a bear. It's also gonna be a bear because bears can also swim, and also depends on the on the on the depth of the water but a shark is not dopping a bear on land no way i'm just thinking about the teeth okay what do you think Rob? bears are bad you know they will fuck you up Bears will fuck you up, but if the shark gets you in the water then you're pissed yeah but she's on the right. land someone someone doesn't make the first move <laughs> i would love to see that fight and then i'd have to run away you know if somebody heard this podcast they would actually genuinely think we're high because what kind of conversation <laughs> is this right back at it again right so um they land in south africa um so first first of all they arrive in cape town um on the 7th of november 2010 um and they take a a little flight you know the little the little plane the propeller plane and they take they take it to uh kruger national park and they stay there for four days they have a blissful start to the honeymoon Mm -hmm. Uh, and then they go back um from the national park back to cape town so you've already done the kind of you know nature part and now you're going to go to have the little city life um and on the 12th of 
November they get back to Cape Town and they have a taxi driver and his name is Zola Tango. Um, so, what sinned? Nothing. You don't like his name? Nothing. Why was your face like that? Nothing. <laughs> right. His name is Zola Tango to dri- and he drives them to the five-star Cape Grace Hotel. Um, and, you know, Shireen gets on really, really well with Tongo. Um, so, oh, sorry. His name is Zola Tongo, not Tango. Okay. Sorry. I read that wrong. My eyes are starting to cross. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> they get on really well with uh, Tongo. Um, they, they form a good rapport with him. Um, and so um, Arnie goes inside and Shireen, um stays behind and speaks to Tongo outside of the hotel. And he asks them to take them to um, a, re- a restaurant the next day. Um, and this restaurant goes by the name of 96 Winery Road. Okay. So, um, he also asked them whether he'd be willing to show them around, um, you know, South Africa, South Africa properly. Because, you know, when you know the locals, you get the proper, like, tour guide um, experience. You, know, you don't just go to all the tourist stuff, but you actually get to go to the nitty-gritty and, you know, get those kind of local gems. So, he, he became almost like an unofficial uh, tour guide at this point. Um so the next day comes, they go out for some drinks um, and they get um, Tongo to pick them up. Mm-hmm. And they're on the way to the 96 Winery Road. But in the car, they decide, hey, you know what? Let's go somewhere different. Mm-hmm. Let's, you know, that's a, quite a big meal we're going to have. Let's go for something a bit little lighter, maybe some tapas. And so Tongo suggests, hey, I know um, a lovely place called um, the Surfside Restaurant. It's a, it's a bit um, of a lighter meal and it's in a place called Strand. So they drive from Cape Town to a place called Strand. Um, and he drops them off. They go inside. They have um, dinner. And when they finish at ten thirty p.m., Tongo picks them up. Um, and so it was reported that the couple starts to discuss with them um, that they want to really experience the real and raw South Africa, um, like where the locals go, what the locals do, the nightlife, mm-hmm. and they even wanted Tongo to show him around, the, like show them all around the local areas and the townships, which is the local neighborhoods. Um, and Tongo agrees and he drives them to an area by the name of Guguletu. Okay. Now, Guguletu is an area in, um, in Cape Town that's known for high crime rates, right? right. Particularly murders. They got, they, they had a very, very, um, high murder rate at the time. Okay. Um, and to such a point where even, locals will always remain cautious and sometimes police wouldn't even go in there wow yeah so wow if that's the case and that's the kind of you know reputation that that area has you know why are you know we bringing tourists around there i'm I'm sorry to cut you up here but you know when you say stuff like it really reminds me of Mm. i always bring up this experience oh sorry cindy what did you pour my drink oh just a lot just a lot of alcohol and no mixer oh my gosh um but it also it always reminds me of when my mum got comfortably situated in London. Um, she would always hang around in um these kind of places because this is where she made friends. This is like the people that she that she got close to and whatnot. Right. And um, she always used to tell me about a pub that she used to chill in in Brixton. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, every time there was some sort of rowdiness or something like that, they just wouldn't go there because back in the day. Brixton used to have black, black cab drivers. Right. They used to, like, like, the black people used to own their pubs. Like, there used to be a certain section where it was just, like, 
the moment the police officers would hear that there's any form of problems, they'll be like, yo, well... That's your own. Exactly. Mm. Like, well, sorry, we don't know what we can do. So that, that kind of reminded me of that. Right. That's crazy. crazy. I mean, if the police aren't even willing to go into there, what are, what are you guys doing? The flags are red in. The flags are really red in. So, um, where are we now? There's so much stuff we have to cut out of this podcast. Yeah, we do. Um, (laughs) My God. Tongo is driving in the car with uh, the couple and they get to an intersection um, on one of the roads and all of a sudden their car is ambushed. It's ambushed by two men um, and they automatically just force uh, Tongo out of the car. So now the two men are in the car. They've got uh, Shin and Ani in the back um, and they hijack the car and they drive around aimlessly and they do that for about an hour. Um, they stole valuables from the couple. Of course, these this couple. Well, the man is a millionaire, but now she's married to him. So this is a millionaire couple. Uh, so they stole the stole the valuables from them. Um, but they did say, you know what? We just you just want to steal from you. We don't want to hurt you. Man. So we're gonna let you go. But the gag is, we're only gonna let one of you go at one time. Oh no! So the first person they let out is Sheen, and he gets out, and obviously he's hysterical. His wife is still in the car. And they drive off with his wife. So he runs around the neighborhood. He's banging down all the doors. He's trying to get an answer from somebody. Remember, this is a scary neighborhood. So people aren't even trying to open the door like that if they're yeah. not expecting anybody. And yeah. eventually a man does open up the door. Um, and he's trying to, you know, get some sense out of this hysterical shin. Yeah. Um, and eventually they're, they're able to call the police. And they report um, the, the, the carjacking. Um, and so when a police arrive... They drive uh, Sheehan around for some time, trying to retrace the events, how it all happened, where they could have mm. gone. And they also end up tracking down Tongo as well, because obviously he's like been thrown out the car and turns mm. out he's already reported the carjacking already. Okay. So, good job, sorry, Tongo. I, I, I had my suspicions. Mm. But yeah, go on. Mm. Wait on it. Okay. <laughs> This is a very twisty and turny case. Oh, no. And it's what's weird. It was only 2010. And I was just like, where was I when this happened? Because yeah, this man is from London. I've never heard. Especially a millionaire. Well, not, sorry. He's not from, he's not from London, but he's from Bristol. They, they resided in London. They resided in Luton as well. Um, mm, I not know. And it's a very high profile case at the time. Um, but yeah, maybe we did pay attention to it, but it's just so long ago now. So I mean, it's 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... They track down Tongo. They go back to the, this five-star hotel that they were staying at. Um, and, of course, she and the, he has to go and notify the parents that this is this has happened. You know, they're probably, what, on their fifth day into the honeymoon. They're supposed to be there for 10 days. They're halfway through. He's Imagine. got to tell his parents this is happening. And her father, who she was extremely close, close with, and he was extremely proud and, and loving of all of his children, he hops on the first flight out. He's like, I'm coming right now. Yeah. Um, but he does feel like, you know this is a millionaire man. So mm-hmm. if, even if they're asking for ransom, like we're good. Like I just need to get out there to support my son-in-law and then we'll handle it from mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the next morning comes and police arrive at our roadside back in the, in the township of Guguletu. And at 7.50 a.m., uh, they, after receiving a report from a local that a car had been sitting in, a, in the same spot on a roadside all night, um, they opened the car and here would lie the body of 28-year-old Arnie. I know, it's awful. And if you see this girl, I mean, I know, you know, looks on everything like we're literally talking about, you know, people are people, like, personality, you know, very important, but mm-hmm. this girl was absolutely stunning, young girl. 
um, her life ahead of her, literally got married, what, less than two weeks before? And now she's lying dead in the back of a um, car, and it's, it's awful. Uh, so she was found lying lying in the back seat with a gunshot wound um, that was inflicted point blank in her neck. Um, and the coroner would soon confirm that she did sadly bleed to death. Um, they also saw that she had loads of bruises on her body and they found that the bullet was also lodged in the, the seat of the car as well. So it was it was really close range. So police on the scene found the situation odd for a number of reasons. Now let's get into the reasons as to why the police like found this odd. And it's one of the situations that we've already sorry, one of the points that we already discussed. Yeah. Tongo would have known the area well. He mm. knew the local area. He he was, you know, hired by uh Sheehan to take him around to the real and the raw South African experience and um where the locals would go. And he was able to do that. So he would know what Guguletti was like. Um, he most likely would know that you likely shouldn't bring tourists to that area. Um, and he probably would know it well enough that he probably would be able to identify the men in that area. By the time he couldn't. The policeman also found it strange that they they that the two men, the two hijackers, would have let two other men out of the car so easily. Because if you're hijacking a car one, the driver is not going to be of any value to you why would you not do anything to the driver on top of that you've now got a couple a newlywed couple in your car who's got you know a lot of money why would you then drop them off at different points and if you are going to drop the husband off at one point why would you leave him just to run rampant of course the first thing he's going to go and do is report his his wife missing yeah um but um despite this Tongo was super um, cooperative. He told the police everything that he knew and the case unfolded quickly. Because it was a um, a really rich couple, um, they're from Europe, um, the case was super um, high profile. They had a lot of media coverage um, and this resulted in quick identification of men via of the men via pr- fingerprints. Okay, um, a lot, two of them which already had their, sorry, one of them which already had their fingerprints in the system, which was... Um, Zoli Menegi, sorry, Mingeni. And so he was identified on the 16th of November and he confessed to his involvement. But then they found a phone behind his bed with no search in his house. And they said, whose phone is this? And whose phone was it, Cindy? Tongo Tongo. Yes, it was Tongo's friend. Tongo. So he also told that they should be looking for another man and his name was um, Inzimwada Doda. Kwabe, who was loca- located on the 18th of November. And he then admitted that they should also be looking for a final man called Monde uh, Mbolombo, who made, also made a full confession. So now there's three men mm-hmm. plus Tongo. So four men in, in, involved somehow. Yeah, four suspects. Yes. So while Annie's um, body was flown back to London for her funeral and her memorial accompanied by Shrien, her ashes were scattered in her favourite place um, after her memorial, and that was at uh, Varnen Lake in Sweden. Um, so it was a massive turnout. Um, a lot of people came to pay their respects in London, and then she was then taken to um, Sweden, where she laid to rest. Awful, mm. 28 years old. Yeah, I mean, um, but meanwhile, Tonga was arrested in South Africa, and that was, it was super shocking to everybody that knew him. He had have a, He didn't, you know, get involved in those type of things, and it wasn't, you know, 
his character to get involved in such things. Mm. Um, so he alleged that the crime, sorry, so he alleged that the crime had been orchestrated um, by Shrian. Mm. And he asked uh, Tongo to help him take somebody off of the scene, quote unquote. He offered Tongo 15K, which is 1,000 pounds in Great British pounds. Sorry, I forgot what the, the um, I forgot what the sorry, currency is. Sorry, wait, wait. Tongo's saying that it was Arnie's husband that pulled him to the side and said, yo, I need you to do a job for me mm-hmm. and I'm offering you 15k. 15,000 pounds in Great British pounds. Yeah, 15,000 rand, which what is equivalent fuck? to 1,000 pounds. And he wanted to ask Tongo, like, to help him find somebody to carry out the hit. And Tongo said, okay, you know what? This is not what I really get into, but I'm going to help you find somebody. And so they visited um, Monday, and he was a receptionist at a local hotel. Um, and he then gives a call to Kwabe, and they all get involved in the plan. So, and you can see this online. There's CCTV, there's even, and the CCTV actually has voice recording as well, so you can hear him on the phone. Um, and you know this basically all corroborates Tongo's story, and he's saying, "Look, this happened. This happens. Has happened. Sorry, this has to happen tonight. Um, we need to get this done. The man needs it done tonight." Red tear, tear. So according to Tongo, he met Shrian at midday on the day of the murder. He then drove him to a bureau to change to convert the pavement into the 15k rand that they were owed, and he said that while they travelled to the Surfside restaurant. Uh, Shrian walks up to him and asks if all was in place and Tongo confirms this. He also said that, there's, that they exchanged texts uh, with detail where the money would be hidden in an envelope within the car. And when police looked at the phone data and the cellular data around the area, it did corroborate the story. However, Shrian's phone wasn't found. So we don't know what the details of these conversations were. Right. But we just know that they did text that night. Mm-hmm. So, of course, you know, Shrian, the husband, he, does, he denies all of this. He's like... Why would I do this? He's hired the, the, the best lawyers in the country. And his lawyers are basically saying it wouldn't make sense that Shrian, who's a multimillionaire, would come to South Africa on his honeymoon and ask the first person that he meets to carry out a hit for him. Like, how does he know that's even a hit man? Mm-hmm. Um, so while the court case continued, it's super, like, covered by, by media. Um, Tongo is the first person to go on trial. He makes a plea deal. He tells all he knows and he gets sentenced and he's sentenced to 18 years. Right. So he's due to be released in 2028. Right. So Kwabe also accepts a reduced sentence on the promise that he would also plead guilty and he would also give any further information that he knows on Shrien or anybody else that he believes is involved in this crime. Right. So he does that. And then Mingeni was the last to go to trial. Um, and this particular trial was a long one. He was 25 years old, but he, he happened to, he decided that he wanted to plead guilty. And so he decided he was going to do that. And of course, when you plead guilty, the, 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 sorry, he decided he was going to plead not guilty. Apologies. Uh, so of course, when you plead not guilty, it's always a bit harder. Mm-hmm. And it's if a you, trial, if, yeah, jury. you just have to like prove to the jury. And if you're going yeah. down, you're going down. Can I just say, you got you 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 have a brain tumor, 
and you've got the energy to be doing that. That's what I was thinking. Like, it was that like, a part of like a like was that like, a part of a wish list before you died? Mm-hmm. Like, well, I was wondering if it, was, I was wondering if he was he trying to get money for treatment. I don't know. Oh, yeah, see, I didn't even think of that. I was thinking about this too. But, you know, that's neither here or there because he pled not guilty and he got sentenced to life in prison. So any life that he did have left, he just, he chose to spend mm. that in prison. Damn. So now we get to Monday. The hotel receptionist who put everybody in contact with everybody, set up the plan and everything. But he decided that he was going to take an immunity deal and he was going to do this in exchange for the information that he knew about Sheehan despite the fact that he knew... Uh, despite the fact that he actually orchestrated the whole plan and got the men together. Mm. He insisted that Shreya knew all of the details of the plan. He was fully involved. Um, and he stands by this. And so, of course, it comes to our final guy. Shian Dewani. So now Shreyan is back at home. He travelled back home when Arnie's body came back. And he's been in the UK ever since. And he, and he was arrested by uh, Bristol police. Right. And of course, at this point, South Africa, I'm like, hello, Midag, you better bring him right back here, extract him, we need to put him on trial. But despite his alleged involvement, the issue was that there was lack of motive for the crime. So let's get into Which the I motives. can understand that. He was extremely rich. So there was no financial game in terms of, um, you know, insurance or anything um, as to why he would want to kill his wife and, mm. you know, what's that going to give him? And everybody takes up for rich people. The, everyone always it? makes excuses for rich it? people. Um, the couple was also known to get on very well, but there was one motive that was found. Now your head's going to spin. And I'm really excited to tell you about it. I've got, I got, got two things of, of possibilities for going. No, you give it to me. Go on, what's your theories at this point? Was he abusive? All right. Or was he in the closet? Okay. So, there was anonymous emails that were sent to the one and only The Sun. You know, okay. The Sun newspaper here yeah. in the UK. Yeah. Which stated... That he'd been leading a secret gay life. Fab! I knew. Do you want? I knew it. <laughs> See, I've been. Uh, come on, man. Come on, give me my money, man. Give me and my money. And he'd been paying a male sex worker by the name of Leopold Lasser, who uh, was also known as the Gay Master for services. Crabs don't start. Yeah, in the background. Um, and one theory was that. Annie may have found out in the uh, during the course of the honeymoon, which then was like, you know what, now she knows I'm going to have to get rid of this girl. So there was a lot of swirl around this situation. There was a report saying that um, Shreen's story changed quite a lot. Um, and it, it did. His details kind of changed, um, um, you know, throughout the course of him speaking to police, speaking to um, his lawyers, um, and even speaking to the family. And there's one fact that we found that was a bit odd, which was the fact that he randomly remembered to tell the police that if you go back into the car mm-hmm. look into you know the back seat has pockets mm-hmm. yeah if you look into one of the seams of the pockets you'll find um arnie's ring which was worth twenty five thousand great british pounds wow and so the police are like wait hello why would you not even tell us that that's mad mm-hmm. um and like why would you not disclose that and he was like oh due to all the stress you know i just i just totally forgot I call bullshit, but so do I. we move. 
Um, but due to all the stress of this, his, men uh, his mental state starts to deteriorate and he does get admitted to a psychiatric hospital up in Bristol by the name of the Priory because he's suffering from depression, which is making him lose a hell of a lot of weight. Um, and he has a lawyer at the time, which is crazy that his lawyer at the time was a man called Max Clifford. And I don't know if you know about Max Clifford, but essentially he was a... No, let me not get this wrong. He was a lawyer... And I think a columnist, um, but turns out he was on fuckeries with young girls and, and he went to Penn. That. I didn't know that. Um, and so that's Max Clifford. He's dead now. Um, he died in prison. But again, just man on fuckeries, like leave the young women alone. Leave the <sighs> youngins alone. alone. Exactly. So, that's his lawyer at the time. At the time, he was super high profile. This is before he got disgraced and everybody knew about his tomfoolery on the side. Mm-hmm. So, um, because of his mental state, there was a lot of delays to this trial. But it, his child does eventually begin. Um, and it begins in the one and only Belmarsh. Yeah. Of course. Um, but then Theresa May, our girl. Whose girl is that? With her strong shoulders. Whose girl is that? Not mine, my dog. I'm not really, I, I don't I don't frequent with reptilian women. Oh my god. Theresa May was like, you know what, yeah, I ain't finna deal with this. So she authorized his extradition to South Africa. That's the smartest thing she could have done. Bruh, it's one thing that I actually agree with her on. But I don't want to get into it. I think at the time she wasn't she obviously she was a prime minister, she was home secretary at the time. Mm-hmm. So now, this is now four years after being accused. So we're now in 2014. And he has to go to Cape Town. Um, so he's in a Cape Town court. And he finally admits to the judge that he is bisexual. Right. Um, and he also has these low hormone levels that, you know, are affecting his fertility. And he wasn't sure if he was going to be able to have kids and all these things so at this point up until this point Arnie's family have stood beside this man Mm. and they're like are you taking the fucking piss Mm. like we stood beside you like you couldn't even tell us to us in confidence at first but you've waited to go all the way south all the way back to south africa after four years Mm. to then tell them you're bisexual Mm. which i mean i don't know if he's well you know what we can't get to it but apparently he's bisexual. That's right. what he wants to give up now. So at this point, Annie's family are like, fuck this, yeah, we, we want to sue him because this is a massive revelation. They feel like they've been duped. They also feel like they've been lied to from the very beginning because, of course, if they knew this, then they probably would have said, you know what, Arnie, don't marry this man. Yeah, There's, that's You know, true. maybe it's, he's not for you. You know, consider all the, all the, um, consider all the options. I mean, it's fine to be with a bisexual person, but I feel like it has to be a consensual thing. Yes, give, the, give someone the, like... The permission to just kind of be like, you know what, yes, let's let's stick through this, or you know what, I'm yeah. feeling this. Yeah, it's 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 you know what, when it comes to relationships and there's been particularly marriage, there has to be a level of transparency. Of course. And I'm not saying you should discriminate anybody on their sexuality. I would never say that. But if I'm marrying you, I need to know what the fuck is up with your sexuality because I should not be coming home and seeing a man in my bed and being like, excuse me, hello, when did do, this happen? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I just, I, I want to be able to just kind of be, just give people, just allow people to be like, okay, I'm down for this or I'm not. Stop forcing people to do things just because it fits you or you feel okay with that. Right. Because regardless of if you are like, having issues with with 
with what you feel inside of you or you haven't come out yet you're not confident to do that and there was still an innocent person on the side that's still thinking well i love this person well i care for this person and you know well that's exactly it and i think even even though that's the way that you feel and i'm always down for for however you feel whoever you are i don't Mm -hmm. care i don't care your sexuality i don't care your color your creed your race anything but it's the fact that he clearly wasn't that confident in who he was because why are you only telling people four years after the fact that you're bisexual and you were denying it before? Something's not sitting right in you, my dag. And so that's if that's the case, don't bring anybody else into that situation until you know who you are. I kind of feel like in this situation, his hand was kind of forced. Do you feel like it? Yeah, his hand was definitely forced. Okay. Because, you know, had, this have, had he have gotten away with whatever, you know, let's say he was involved in this because mm. you haven't gone to the end yet. But had he have gotten away with it, I guarantee you that he would have still been living with Arnie and he would have still have lived this double life, allegedly. Mm-hmm. And what would have come from it? Nothing. Yeah, so I, yeah I definitely feel it, Maybe he would have had the confidence to come out with it. Or maybe he wouldn't. We'll never oh, know. I see what but, you mean. Yeah. I thought you meant that, that he was forced to kind of marry her. Because I don't... No. I d- okay, so with... Um, so unfortunately, yeah, I hope that the times have changed now. Mm. But back in the day, there used to be a time where it used to be just kind of instilled in a man's head or a woman's head that, you know, you have to have the nuclear family. Mm. You have to have the heterosexual um, perfect family. Mm. With the white Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, um, and unfortunately, like, a lot of people, when they were, like younger they feel like they're forced to do that right i'm, I'm forced to get myself a wife but you know you're gay right do, do you know what i mean like and unfortunately you're doing things that like your your family standards i've have put in your head but you're dragging someone else into that when yeah. you should be living in your truth so that's why i feel like his hand was forced because it was probably put in his head that you need to find your wife and then you need to get married and then you need to have kids and like do you know what i mean mm. It's crazy. It is crazy. And the thing is, as well, it's just like you're a mil- you're a millionaire. You know, you're an eligible bachelor. You know, the first thing that people are thinking is, you know, when are you going to get a wife? When are you going to have exactly. kids? You're thirty, especially from a cultural point of view as well. Um, exactly. Um, but that's no excuse. No excuse at all. I hope people don't think I'm making excuses for him. Oh hell no. Um, no excuses for him. Um, because I just don't feel like that's right to to, to lie. And I know sometimes it's hard for, you know, not, no, it's not even sometimes. I know it is hard for a lot of people to come out, but don't yes. use women as your beard as if they don't know what was going on. Like, that's not fair on them. That's their life as well. That's their chance to have, exactly. you know, an open and honest relationship with somebody exactly. else and just have transparency. Please, guys. Um, so they want to sue him at this point because they're like, what? This is lies. Like, if we, do, we don't even know who you are and we've had your back even in the grief that we've had. Yeah. Um, and so... It's found that when looking into Sheehan's history, he was looking at gay porn during the honeymoon. And he was even looking at... I can't even get this out. He was even looking at gay porn on the day Arnie's body was found. After the body was found... And, you know, police are dealing with the crime scene. You've gone back to your hotel. The first thing that you thought to do was to look at porn. Any type of porn. Yeah, he's gay. That's the first thing that you wanted to do. Just yeah, go look gay. at porn and your wife has just been found dead in a car. Yeah, he's, he's gay. After being kidnapped. He's gay. <laughs> like, okay. So, at this point, 
they ask for statements from the other men that are involved in this situation. Um, so Tonga gives a lot of testimony against him. There's CCTV corroboration of them speaking um, at the hotel. There's even a point where a cleaner comes in and, and he's like, you know, like, can I have some privacy? And the cleaner comes out. They even ask the cleaner, like, what did he ask for? And he said they wanted to talk and I, they needed privacy. Um, you see him, like, handing money over to Tonga and this, that and the other. And so there's a lot of things that corroborate this story. But then obviously the prosecution are like, hello, he could just be giving money to Tonga because he's been driving them around. He's been no. asking for services. Like, no, it's he says, she said at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but as all of the men were talking, unfortunately, witness statements did differ. And they were full of contradictions. And it got to the point where there were so many contradictions that because the defense po- crumbled, yeah, yeah, because the def- the defense crumbled, of course, he was found not guilty. Um, and at one point, it was even accused that the judge was biased and that was protection she in because it was like you should have let him go up on the stand himself and say what he needed to say. Why is it just relying on these these other guys, you know, mm-hmm. and their testimonies? Just because it doesn't add up doesn't mean that he wasn't involved. Um, but that that wasn't even here nor there, and we didn't go any further than that. But of course, so all three of them are claiming that he's involved, and you know, all he, four of he, them, all four of them, sorry, and they were like, they were like, he well, look, he approached us to do to to to, to do a hit, mm-hmm. and he was still found not guilty. Yep, even the guy at the at the hotel <laughs> that set up the meeting between all of them said that he was involved. He said that he's lying. That like, there's there's like, he's like, what's the like? why would I lie about him lying? Like, he's lying. Like, I'm telling you, he knows everything. Nothing went Nothing went further. The family were clearly devastated. Um, they even wanted a coroner in the UK to look back into the body because if there was a further questions that, would ask, that were asked, then Sheehan would have to answer it under law. But the coroner at the time didn't think there was any grounds to go further with it. Yeah. Um, and law is a sticky one, man. Law is funny. Um, and so... Everybody's serving their sentences now, except for um, the hotel receptionist, who obviously got immunity. Um, so Mgeni did die in October 2014 from the complications from his brain tumour. Um, mm-hmm. He died two years after his sentencing at the Goodwood Centre of Excellence at the age of 27. 27. Mm-hmm. Sad, in it? So sad. I, I know that he was involved in a horrific murder, but... 27 to die of a brain tumor is in any situation is quite not, sad. not just that i'm saying at, tw- at 20 like because I'm, I'm 27 right now you know exactly what i thought and it, like i'm just sitting there and i'm thinking to myself you just threw your life away for a pathetic. tourist because you saw dollar signs pathetic it's pathetic it's, look oh, so what i'm not i'm not agreeing with anything do. Done. do you know what I mean? mm-hmm. look at what money makes people do to spend the last couple years of your life in pen how the fuck did you think you were going to get away with it do you tell me it? And, that, and that's the thing with when people like conspire to, to, to commit crime. You're all thinking about the money. You're thinking with, with the money, but you're, you're not actually thinking long term. You just left so the car on the side of the road. Like, what's when I get caught? You didn't, you didn't sell, like, you didn't put the car somewhere else. You didn't try to hide the car. You left it on a roadside and you went about your business with the girl inside the car. And you thought that was going to be cat, um, um, that was going to be fine. It's not a look good, kid. It's not a look good. <laughs> it's not a good look, kid. No, like, it isn't. it's not a good look. Uh, Togo was also eligible for parole, but upon this, um, when he was eligible for parole, the uh, Arnie's dad and his brother went over to South Africa and were like, no, and to and to like visit him, and you know, because you get the parole hearing, and so he's just like, he's just like, 
still faced. He's just like, what's going on here? And then they tell her, they tell him who she is. And then Tutu, she's now crying. He's now crying. And they're like, what kind of performative BS is this? Sorry, baby, you are not Johnny Depp. Another 10 years, you go. Like, what the hell was that? So the, day, so the day before he was supposed to be released... He didn't practice some... They revoked that shit. So he didn't practice properly then. They, re- they revoked it quick, quick. Um, so he is still in prison to this As day. As he should be. And he will still probably be serving the next six years in prison until his uh, reestate, which will be in 2028. So let's get into the remaining... Um, Two? People, yeah. Mm-hmm. Leopold Lasser the German master who did the good deed of actually telling us what was going on with him and Sheehan. He was so pressured by the situation that was happening in terms of the high profile case and his involvement in it, that his mental health did decline. And sadly in 2016, he chose to take his own life. Oh no. Um, and so, sorry, sorry to to, um, cut you up again. Was he the one that was sending the stories to the son? He was. He just. He did it anonymously. Okay, so I do. I'm sorry that he took his own life, and mm. that's really sad because he clearly lived in his truth and stuff like that. Mm. But one thing that I don't really like is if it's not someone's time to come out, don't force it. Mm. Don't do that. Mm, definitely. Like, while I don't agree about the whole, you know, um, someone leading someone else on or living a double life, mm-hmm. I don't agree with that. But until someone somebody. is ready, it's not your choice. Yeah, it isn't. For someone to come out, I I really hate hearing stories like that because mm. you're just as bad as homophobic people out there that have forced these people in their heads to be like you have to pretend to be who you're not. Yeah, I hate that shit. I hate hearing definitely like oh, well like like, like oh like well I was with him or this that like, the third happened or well if you only knew about him behind closed like. You're two consenting adults, un- mm. un- unless he's done something that's homophobic mm. or, or something that's real disrespectful, it is not your choice to do that. But maybe he genuinely did feel like they- he was involved because I-, I-, I think there was some conversations that was happening, um, like in emails and stuff that showed that there was, you know, ups and downs with him and Arnie, um, her speaking to her, her friends and her cousins saying that they weren't, you know, this is a new relationship, you planned yeah. a wedding, you know, there's a lot of pressures and stuff. You, How many times do you say that you hate your man? You don't really mean it. Yeah. So it's just, it's hard to look into it, but yeah, it is sad. It's, it's just so, it's sad in so many levels. Um, and of course the, the um, sorry, of course the uh, Hindoka family are still looking for answers as to what happened to their, oh, to their daughter. Um, and according to one of the reports in 2018, uh, Sheehan was living in the UK still with his boyfriend of one and a half years. Um, and we still don't know the, the full details of the situation and what happened to Ani Dewani that night. But we asked, we want her to rest in peace and, um, we hope that, you know, truth comes out one day, but what a beautiful girl and what a very very sad story to be married for you know two weeks and on your honeymoon yeah. um and yeah. yeah and that is it that is the story of um Ani Dawani the honeymoon murders and this is the beautiful girl right here so gorgeous gorgeous That's a gorgeous girl 
Uh, that's sad. Um, thank you for telling that story. Um, Sorry for rambling. No, you don't ramble. It's just oh god, it's, it's awful, really isn't it? It's just really sad because I'm thinking about a 28 year old who has a whole life ahead of her and you know trying to do a thing. You I'm know. gonna be 28 this year. Fam, so am I. And yeah. I still feel like a baby because you imagine your life being cut short now. I, I just I've been like thinking my, I haven't done anything in my life. I feel like my brain has stopped growing at the age of 16. I'm still a 16 year old. So like if I was to get pregnant right now, yeah. I'd actually be so scared. I still think I'm 16. Like, I'd, I'd, be, I'd, I'd even be scared to tell my parents, you know. I'd be like, oh my God, like my parents are going to whoop my ass. I'm pushing 30. I'm just mad. <laughs> like, like, to me, yeah, I, I just picked an age in my teenage years and I've been that since. So, you Dead can't ass. tell me nothing. Like, every time I see 1994, I'd be like, okay, you're still 16, bitch. Like, mm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like that. You know, like that. <laughs> oh dear. But um, thank you for telling that story. Of course. Um, I hope the family get justice, just, man. Uh, just ever so sad. Just guys, you know what? Living your truth. Amen. Um, because you know. And she, if you're if you're unsure of yourself, don't ever be afraid to be who you are. And you know, don't kill Jessica, people because so. you're afraid of who you are mm. or conspire to kill. But you know, rest in peace, to that lovely Arnie lady. Amen. Um, I'm gonna her. get Krispy Kremes. We're not getting Krispy Kremes. She's such a fucking hater, bro. You know. Okay, guys. So, I'm going to play a game with Monet mm. uh, on my next story. So, this story. I love games. Um, This story. So, my theme was robbery. I was supposed to do robbery. Yeah. But, like, mine had a kind of a twist and turn. So, it's a robbery, but then it did. There was a murder that happened. Okay. So, I, I really tried. Like, no, but robbery is still robbery. It's still on the, it's still, still on the theme, you know? So, but, Let's get into I want it. you to take, like, a really wild guess mm. about where this is set and i'll give you a clue mm. it's set somewhere where me and you have been dying to go for centuries shit you shouldn't ask me as after i rank after i drank i don't i don't know how to speak oh shit did you give up peru no fuck <laughs> peru Para, peru, peru, para. Did you give up? Yeah. Okay. So, we're going to tell a so- What? Canada. No. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. Canadians are really funny. Don't because- stop with the Canadian goose. No, I'm not going to do that, yeah. <laughs> but that's funny. But you know my brother, yeah. Me and my brother were playing heads up, yeah. Shout out to you for um, when we had the games night. Oh, yeah. On Boxing Day. But, um... Me and Kevin were playing um, Heads Up, yeah, and we were both really drunk. And um, we we did accents, and Kevin... <laughs> Shout out to Kevin. <laughs> he did a Canadian accent, but when they speak French, and I don't know if you've heard Canadians speak French. No offence, guys, but it's a funny French. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> so, it's because you lot speak French as well. When Kevin put on the accent... I couldn't breathe. <laughs> I, I can't do accents. I wish I could do it. <laughs> oh, Canadians are really funny. Like Canadians really tickle me. Is that basically his the accent? Is it like how um the weekend sings on Montreal? No. Fuck's sake. He's, yeah. He's Canadian hear, singing I need, on I need a. To, I need to hear him speak it because Kevin was like. Oh, mm, <laughs> <laughs> it, like, it was a weird accent, and I'm sorry. I don't want to get run out by the Canadians, please, please. Yeah, no, I did. I did love me some Canadians, and hopefully, I can settle there. But no, this is not Canada. This is set in New Orleans. Oh, sorry, so, I forgot. I, I was so focused on Peru. That, right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So we're gonna talk about this lady and um, this lady thinking that she was um, fit to be a police officer. 
when she wasn't. Oh my god, let's get into it, yeah. Let's go. So on March fifth, nineteen ninety five, Antoinette Frank and Rogers Lacaz. Antoinette has there's always Antoinette up in New Orleans. And even the surname of this guy Lacaz. There must be a crew. Sure people. Sort of sure people. Um, would enter a Vietnamese restaurant where Frank had worked as part-time security. Soon after, a shooting would take place where Roger Lacaz would shoot a police officer in the back of the head. Oh. The officer had been working security at, for the restaurant. The employees of the restaurant would hide in the freezer. Once inside the freezer, Antoinette Frank began pistol whipping on one of the employees demanding money. What? Frank would obtain the money, then fatally shoot the employee and would then fatally shoot another employee. So, I'm not going to go into too much detail of that. I'm just basically starting the events, and then obviously we can... We're going to do, like, want, since you're wondering how I got here. Basically. Okay, let's do it. So, Antoinette Renee Frank was born on the 30th of April, 1971. Now, Frank had an unstable childhood, but it was one thing that was clear that she wanted to be since she was a small girl, mm. which was a policewoman. Right. So as a teenager, she suffered from a very broken family and she was very dependent um, mentally on people, emotionally on people. Her, her brother was a law fugitive. Her father would appear in her life only occasionally. And Frank became distressed about these issues, needing psychiatric help. And it was clear. Right. So according to a former policeman, Chuck Hustmeyer, Forgive me if I say it wrong. When Frank applied to be a cop in Louisiana, she lied about her psychological and psychiatric oh, um, no. condition in order to be hired. No, as a no, no, woman. no. That's one thing you cannot lie about on yeah. a police application. She has, so she has several personality disorders right. that should have been that should not have been overlooked. Right. But um, she served in the New Orleans police for less than one year and was hired despite being caught lying on several sections of her application. So not only did she have these issues. She lied on her application too. Mm-mm. The flags are red in, guys. The flags are red in. They're even crimson. There you go, crimson red. So it was advised by the um by the others. Wait, it was advised blah blah. blah that she so it was advised by the police psychiatrist for Frank not to join the police force. But there was a shortage in police officers in the NOPD, and having an African American officer like Antoinette would ease racial tension. Um, so she was coming around the times of, you know, the war on drugs and whatnot. And that like New Orleans obviously has a large amount of black people, but there was still that kind of tension. Right. So they thought that if they would hire her and they would see kind of a black face there, it would ease the racial tension. So they would tend to hire more like black folk. Okay. But again, flags are red in if she had clear issues. Do you know what I mean? Right. So during the, um, so a lot of things can be said about Antoinette. You know, she did well. She passed um, a lot of things regarding the police and stuff like that. But one issue is that a lot of her colleagues thought that she was quite shy. Okay. So when things would get serious, how she would handle it was a bit like... Right. So it wasn't... It, it, it was a bit hard. So obviously some of her colleagues would go and speak to, obviously, the head chief and be like, yo, I think she needs a little bit more training. Basically, she's not a serious candidate. She just should not have been in the force. Mm. Like, she, it, she just had that dream of being a police officer... But she just wasn't, even though she was passing whatever she was passing and graduating, because she did graduate from the police academy. Right. It just wasn't fitting. Right. Like, now when it's time for you to do the practical work, the sense wasn't sensing, basically. Okay. So there was a shooting, basically. But that's but, that shooting that you described at the beginning, that's where they met and thought, yeah, this is... No, the, oh. the, the shooting at the beginning was basically the robbery that they had done together. Right, okay, sorry. My right. bad. So during a shooting, 
um, she met Nakaz, who had been badly injured during the shooting and who required help from Frank that night, as well as hospitalization. The association between Frank and Lacaz became noticeable after other police officers witnessed Lacaz driving her car, driving the police car, and even observed him moving her police unit at the scene of an accident she was investigating. Flags of Redding. On one occasion, Lacaz accompanied her on a complaint call where she introduced him as a trainee. Excuse me? On other occasions, she introduced Lacaz as her nephew. It's very busy. Uh, prior to the murders, others testified that Frank and Lacaz would pull over and rob motorists while in a squad car. What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? It's giving Bonnie and Clyde. I was about to say it's it's giving Bonnie and Clyde for real. And you as a police officer, this is what you think. But I mean, like you said, if she shouldn't have been on the force in the first place, she should have been on the force. And unfortunately, I do believe that a lot of police officers, when you're in that force, they kind of stick together. Mm. She should have been fired, Mm. and that's it. Because you're telling me that they allegedly robbed motorists. He's driving her car. She's calling him a trainee. Why does she still have a job? Right. Anyways. After midnight, back to, now we're going to circle back to what I told you guys in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So after midnight on March the 5th, 1995, Frank and Lacaz visited Kim Ann, a Vietnamese restaurant run by the Vu family in New Orleans East. Okay. Frank had sometimes worked there off duty as a security guard. She had also gained a close relationship with the Vu family and they would often give her leftover food and take home, um, leftover food to take home and money when she was in need. Right. As the employees cleaned the closed restaurant, Chow Vu went into the kitchen to count money and entered the dining room of the restaurant to pay Ronald A. Williams II. Now, Williams II was a colleague of Antoinette who had been working as a security guard that evening. Right. So they took turns of being security guards um, in the restaurant because there tended to be like a lot of robberies there. So sometimes police officers... Damn. Yeah, so police officers would sometimes like have that side hustle or they were assigned to work with certain restaurants. Okay. So that's what both... Um, that does make sense though. Antoinette did and Williams II. So when Chow went to pay Williams, Chow noticed that Frank was approaching the restaurant. So Frank and Lacaz had been at the restaurant twice earlier in the night to get leftover food to eat. So when Chow had let her out on the last visit, she could not find the front door key. And with Frank returning for the third time, she sensed something was wrong. So Chow ran to the kitchen to hide the money in the microwave. Frank entered the front door using the key that she had stolen from the restaurant earlier on and walked past Williams, pushing Chow, Chow's brother Kyok, and a restaurant employee into the doorway of the restaurant's kitchen. Williams started to follow in hopes of finding out what was going on when shots rang out. So Lacaz um, had slipped behind Williams and shot him in the neck, severing his spinal cord and instantly paralysing him. Oh, it's awful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's awful. So sad. As Williams... Oh, God. As Williams fell, Lacaz continued to shoot him in the back of the oh, head... Oh, come on, man. ...and the back... Mortally wounding Overkill. him. Overkill. Exactly. But do you know what? It shows his age. Because Rogers was not that... He was quite... He was younger. Rogers was quite young compared to, to Antoinette. So it shows. How old was he? Was like was a he? delinquent. I don't have his age, which I should have. But he was a delinquent. Okay. Um. So as Frank turned back to the dining room of the restaurant, Child grabbed Kyok to hide somewhere. So Child Kyok and the employee hid in the rear of a large walk-in cooler in the kitchen, turning out its lights as they entered. 
they did not know the whereabouts of their um other brother or sister ha and chiong vu oh. excuse kyung vu excuse me from saying this um incorrectly who had been sweeping the dining room floors when Frank entered the restaurant. From inside the cooler, Chow and Kyok could partially partially see the kitchen and the front of the restaurant. Chow initially could see Frank looking for something in the kitchen. As Frank moved out of Chow's line of vision, additional gunshots were fired, but then observed but then observed Frank searching where the views kept their money. Frank and Lacaz had been shouting at Ha and Kyung demanding the restaurant's money but they didn't know that chow had hidden it so frank pistol whipped the 17 year old kyung when he hesitated in revealing the location of the money frank got the money out of a microwave then shot 21 year old half three times as she knelt pleading for her life Then she shot Kyung six times oh come on man six times why? And again, it just again it just shows her um, incompetence as well. Six times. You know what it is? It's like okay, I don't I don't support violence, and if you have to shoot somebody, you know I don't support it. But if you have to support like shoot somebody once in the leg or once somewhere to immobilize them. But this is what I this is what I always assumed. This is what I was always taught. They will shoot you like in the foot in the in the, in the foot in the leg to, to kind of slow you down. But every time I've heard stories of police shooting at people, they'll 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 be aiming for their head about six or seven yeah. times. Yeah, like, I was. You want to kill them? them. Like no, you're trying to kill them. Do you know what I mean? It's sad. Um. <clears throat> so after Frank and Lacaz left the premises, Child tried to frantically call nine one one on her cell phone, but the caller prevented her from having a usable signal. Kyok entered from the cooler and ran out the back door of the restaurant to a nearby friend's home to call 911 to report the murders. The robbers fled the restaurant and Frank dropped off Lacasse at a nearby apartment complex, both knowing there were, wit- there were witnesses left behind. So Frank heard the 911 call on a portable police radio saying that an officer was down at the Kim Ann restaurant. Oh, obviously they don't think it's going to be her that's up in there. Right, so she borrowed a patrol car I returned to the scene. She intended to kill Chow and Kyo in order to ensure that there would be no witnesses. Parking in the rear, Frank entered through the back door of the restaurant and made her way through the kitchen to the dining room where Chow waited for help at the front door. As Chow bolted through the restaurant's front door to the safety of arriving officers, Frank immediately identified him, um, identified herself as a police officer. Obviously, to scare him. Of course, yeah. So, Chow told Frank that she knew what she had done and cried to the officers that Frank had committed the crimes. Okay. So, Eddie Rance, the homicide detective who worked on the case, believed Frank and Lacaz planned the robbery to get revenge on that police officer that they killed before, Williams II. Frank believed that Williams II was shortchanging her on hours and pay at the Kim Ang and wanted revenge. Oh, goodbye. Rance, Rance subsequently described Frank as the most cold-hearted person he had ever encountered in the three decades as an officer. To me, I don't, I don't know what her her angle was. Some people are just, some people are just bad vibes. Yeah, there's absolutely no reason. And if you're, if they're Fuck. saying they're saying that like these people gave her money when she was when she had no money, mm. and every single time she was like, like there, they would always give her food to take home. No, then you know what? Some you people, but, a bond. yeah, so and and issue? yeah, you're exploiting the bond that you had. 
100%. Taking kindness for weakness. Yeah, taking kindness for weakness. For sure. Exactly. So, Chow and Frank were questioned in detail while seated at different tables in the restaurant. So, Mm. Chow was the only living witness. Mm -hmm. And obviously, Antoinette is a police officer, so they were both questioned at different tables. Mm -hmm. Um, Frank was arrested and charged with three counts of first-degree murder, and Lacaz was arrested and charged later that night. Mm -hmm. Frank was taken to police headquarters for additional questioning, where she later confessed to the crimes along with Lacaz. She was believed to be the first New Orleans police officer to have been charged with killing a fellow officer. Wow. Frank and Lacaz were indicted by an Orleans Parish Grand Jury on April the 28th, 1995. Their trials were severed and Lacaz was first tried on July the 17th till the 21st. I don't know, I didn't write that properly. In 1995, before the judge, Frank Marullo. He was found guilty as charged and sentenced to death. His main tip-off would have been using Williams's Chevron card at a Chevron station in Gretna just minutes after the robberies and murders. That's a schoolboy error and that's very stupid and yeah, it shows it his age. Yeah. Frank's trial began on September the 5th, 1995, also before Marulo. Although Frank's attorneys had subpoena th- subpoenaed 39 witnesses, they didn't call one. On September the 12th, 1995, the jury needed 22 minutes to return a guilty verdict on all counts. At the time, a record for a capital murder case in New Orleans. The next day, they needed only 45 minutes to recommend the death penalty. She was formally sentenced to death on October the 20th, 1995, and sent to death row at Louisiana Correctional Institute for Women in St. Gabriel, near Baton Rouge. Wow. In 2019, Lacaz's death was commuted to life. He resides at Louisiana State Penitentiary. Okay. But Frank remains on death row, being the only woman awaiting death. Wow. Oh, no. There's a lot of things on the aftermath. You know, the restaurant didn't really recover. They tried again, but um, after what happened in the hurricane with Katrina, they mm. did not recover. Um, with the restaurant, I don't know much about what's going on with that. Um, and obviously, with these two, they did get a new trial. Okay. They were given a new trial because one of the people at the trial was a state trooper. Okay. Slash police officer, and that's a little bit too close to the to the case. Right, right. Of course, and you so, got bias. Exactly. Right. So they they demanded a new trial, but it all remained the same. You know, Lacaz, he's sentenced to life now, and um, Antoinette, she's waiting for the lethal injection. And that is the story about the robbery that occurred in. Kim Ann and the unfortunate death of Green <sighs> Live lost for what? It's awful. For a quick buck. Yeah. It's, it's awful. Sad. It's sad. I mean, she does. Uh, it was said that she suffered from a personality disorder. Right. But again, yes, that's a mental illness, but you're fully aware what you were doing since. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But that's it from me. That was beautifully told. I'm Thank so sorry. You. I took up so much time that I that's feel like fine. you had to rush yours. but. No, that's fine. It was awesome. Uh, I did not know that. And I was just looking on Inst- um, on Wikipedia at um, these people, the uh, culprits of this crime. I did not expect them to look like that. It's just crazy. Yeah, crazy. Like those. I mean, you look. I mean, he's saying that he's young, but he doesn't look Frank. Um, sorry, Frank. Um, the other guy doesn't look that young, you know. Rogers Lacaz. Yeah. Um, 
Oh, okay, no, okay, he does. Yeah, yeah. He does. He does I'm pretty Africa. sure. I'm pretty sure when I when I saw the documentary, I've, I don't know why I didn't take his age, but he was young. Damn, this is. Please. So rest in peace to the um to those of four course, victims. Of course, of course. And um, because we are running over time, we're gonna make this real quick. Um, when my name's ready. Oh, spinny, spinny, spin. We're gonna do the spinny. Roller coaster of love. Say what? Roller coaster, <laughs> click to spin, spin. Ooh, 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 roller coaster of love. Ooh, oh, like, oh. We know, like, I got cybercrime. Oh, okay. We have a winner, cybercrime. All right. I mean, what I guess, I, I guess I will do cybercrime next time. That's a different one. That's a new one for True Crime and See. Go ahead. Okay. Click the spin roller coaster of love. Roller coaster. Ooh, ooh, I'm ooh. doing assault. But um, this has been True Crime NC. Thank you, guys. I'm Cindy. I'm Manet. Remember to send us a DM if you want to be a guest or want to send in a story. Thanks. Have a blessed week. And Thanks we'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Love, love.